Women, Life, Freedom, The Power and Promise of International Women's Day. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! with Dennis Moynihan and our weekly Breaking the Sound Barrier podcast. March 8th, International Women's Day, arrived not a day too soon, as women, half the world's human population, still endure varying degrees of oppression, violence, inequality, and discrimination. This day's living history is steeped in struggle and celebration, a day when women protest with courage and tenacity. From the Taliban to Texas, men wield words and weapons to subjugate women. Solidarity and action to protect and liberate women are needed now more than ever. Systemic oppression of women may be worst in Afghanistan. Richard Bennett, the U.N. Special Rapporteur on Human Rights in Afghanistan, calls the Taliban's treatment of women tantamount to gender apartheid. In an update to the U.N. Human Rights Council on March 6, Bennett said, the Taliban's intentional and calculated policy is to repudiate the human rights of women and girls and to erase them from public life. It may am amount uh, to the international crime of gender persecution, for which the authorities can be held accountable. That same day, in a remarkably brave protest, Afghan women held a reading sitting on the ground outside Kabul University. They opened books and began reading, defying the Taliban's ban on education for women and girls. Those women that protested yesterday in Kabul, they know what they're facing. It. They know that when they go to streets and ask for their rights, it's gone. It's the killing. They might be killed on the streets. That's Sahra Nader, speaking on the Democracy Now! NewsHour. She's an Afghan-Canadian journalist and editor-in-chief of Zan Times, a media outlet that covers human rights in Afghanistan. They're still willing to take that risk because that is what's going to, you know, bring them hope. There's a fight for them to resist for, their, to resist for their fights and what they want, even if that comes at the cost of their own lives. Next to Afghanistan and Iran, nationwide protests continue, sparked by the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini in police custody last September 16th. Amini was arrested by Iran's so-called morality police, accused of not wearing her hijab properly. The Iranian government has responded to the protests with a harsh crackdown, arresting thousands. Four men have been publicly executed so far simply for protesting. Fourteen more face execution, according to Amnesty International. Now a wave of apparent poisonings has struck Iranian girls' schools. At least 290 schools have been targeted, affecting no less than 7,000 students. These horrific chemical attacks on girls' schools that have swept the nation have to be understood as a punishment um, against women and girls who have been leading this nationwide revolt for several months now. That's Manijay Maradian, professor of women's gender and sexuality studies at Barnard College on Democracy Now! In response, People have been protesting. In fact, the National Teachers Union called for nationwide strikes, sit-ins and demonstrations. And by my latest count, there have been such demonstrations in at least 17 cities. Um, this is a nation in revolt. March 8th is significant in modern Iranian history. The Iranian Revolution ousted the brutal U.S.-backed dictator, the Shah of Iran, in January 1979. Millions of Iranians hope for a democratic, secular future. 
Instead, the return from exile of Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini ushered in harsh theocratic rule. On March 8, 1979, Iranian women rose up in protest against the Ayatollah's new regime. Those women who poured into the streets on International Women's Day um, 43 years ago, um, who rightly understood that the enforcement of mandatory Islamic dress code, mandatory hijab, was part and parcel of the erosion of all of the democratic promises of the revolution. Professor Maradian explained she went on to link this history to today. In Iranian Kurdistan, in Saqqaz, the hometown of Masajina Amini, um, the teachers are on strike right now, defending the right of women and girls to education, um, but also condemning the broader state repression and the economic crisis that's really impoverishing um, ordinary people in Iran. Um, of course, Saqqaz is where this uprising began um, in September, with the slogan, Women, Life, Freedom, a slogan that is all about life and joy, echoing some of the themes earlier in your show that are connected, deeply connected to feminist movements and to International Women's Day. Republican politicians in the United States decry the Taliban, including its treatment of women. But their apparent feminism only goes so far as these legislators pass law after law, attempt to control women's bodies, restrict reproductive health care, and criminalize abortion. In Texas, five women have sued the state after they were unable to obtain an abortion to terminate life-threatening pregnancies. Four months into her pregnancy, plaintiff Amanda Zorowski's water broke. She needed an abortion, but couldn't find a Texas doctor willing to do it. She then developed sepsis, which could have killed her. She may never be able to give birth again. The imprisonment of women for miscarrying, as happens already in El Salvador and other countries, may be coming soon to red states and the United States. March 8, International Women's Day, began as a socialist protest among striking mill workers in Lawrence, Massachusetts, demanding not only bread, but roses. Now, over a century later, in addition to bread and roses, women, gender nonconforming and trans and LGBTQ plus people are demanding education, bodily autonomy, equal pay, and freedom from violence. The struggle continues. I'm Amy Goodman with Dennis Moynihan.